Good morning. Would you stand with me as we accept God's invitation to worship? Let's read together in a responsive way this passage from Psalm 51. Have mercy on us, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out our transgressions. Iniquity and cleanse us from our sin. For we know our transgressions, and our sin is always before us. Against you, surely we were sinful at birth, sinful from the time we were conceived. Yet you desired. Cleanse us with hyssop, and we will be clean. Wash us, and we will be whiter than snow. Let us hear. Hide your face from our sins and blot out all our iniquity. Create. Do not cast us from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from us. Restore. O Father, we know that you are nearer to us at all times than the very air we breathe. And you have promised, as we come together close to each other, that you will be close to us and bring us together as your body. In Christ's name, amen. Remain standing, if you will, as we sing hymn number 335.
Amen. I invite you to share a word of greeting, a word of peace and grace with others who are here in worship today. If I had my way this morning, I would rent three Greyhound buses and I would take all this congregation to Buffalo to visit Jericho Road Community Health Center. Uh, A few of you here this morning may not know that a Houghton graduate, uh, Myron Glick, uh, had what he felt was a call to foreign missions and then he, he decided that there was mission work to be done in Buffalo. And 12 years ago, he began what has been called Jericho Road Ministries. And um, since the rest of you aren't going to get on that Greyhound bus, uh, some of us were able to go this past Wednesday. 11 of us were up there to visit uh, Jericho Road Community Health Center. There's an unbelievable ministry going on today in Westside Buffalo among refugees representing 18 countries. Today in Buffalo, there are 50,000 refugees, 5% of the uh, population of the city of Buffalo. Uh, Currently, uh, Jericho Road is serving 2,500 clients, and last year had a total of 30,000 patient visits. And the work there is carried on by 150 full-time employees, 200 volunteers. Uh, Jericho Road seeks to minister to the whole person in seven uh, specific areas. There are three sites for medical service. Uh, There's an English, there are English language classes, uh, courses in financial management, after school tutoring, early childhood literacy, pre and post pregnancy mentoring, and individual counseling for entering refugees. Uh, While we were in Buffalo, we also visited uh, what is known as Westside Ministries, a a project carried on by several suburban uh, Wesleyan churches that seek to modernize rundown city properties. A number of Houghton graduates working with AmeriCorps and Wesley Corps live in several of these properties. How can you participate? There's something in the back of your back page of your bulletin to uh, tell you how to be involved. Uh, You are invited to be a part of two coming events on Saturday, February 8th. Number one, a a group is going to Buffalo on Saturday to help with cleaning, painting, repairing, and I hope some of you will sign up for that. Also on Saturday, a a shower of, of baby supplies for what is known as the Priscilla Project, uh, pre-post-pregnancy mentoring program sponsored by Jericho Road Ministries. Please consider being a part of one of these groups. If you look in the front of your seat in the uh, little place there for uh, packets, 
Uh, you will find a, a little slip of paper, and if you're willing to be a part of one of these ministries, put your name on that and put it in the offering plate when it goes by. Remember this work in prayer. Thank you. Hi, I'm Andrea Boone, and this is this is Heidi Miller, and we run the junior church for the children in the 820 service. Children ages kindergarten through third grade join us after the offering. Um, they come for the um, sermon part of the service three out of the four Sundays during the communion service. They actually join their parents um, in church, and the purpose is, is we try to take the sermons that Wes is uh, preaching, and we break them down in a way that make them relevant for the children. And so the idea is that um, we're able to communicate that information. They can learn. We do it through songs, through activities, and it's been a really great experience. We started this new um, group this September. It was a great intro. We were able to use the, do the fruits of the Spirit, and the kids just had a great time, and they learned a lot. And um, this is the third service. They're talking about this, so uh, they're excited to tell you what we're going to be saying here in a moment. And so Heidi's going to tell a little bit about what we've been doing over the past six weeks. As Andrea and I began to brainstorm about this new junior church opportunity, the one thing that we knew we wanted to incorporate was what you all were learning here, like Andrea said, and bringing it into our lesson. And we felt that that was really important, that cohesiveness, because we didn't want the kids to feel like they were a separate entity. We wanted them to understand that they belong here as part of the congregation and as part of the church family that exists here at Houghton Wesleyan. And um, so when the mission team came before you a few weeks ago and presented you with opportunities to leave the confines of Houghton and go into Buffalo and minister with Jericho Road and with Westside Ministries, we knew that we wanted to give our kids an opportunity to do that right alongside with you, to serve together. So six weeks ago, as Andrea said, we started to talk about refugees and the refugee children that had just been settled in Buffalo and how similar we were to them um, age-wise, but how our life circumstances had been completely different. And it has been so exciting for Andrea and I to watch the kids really wrap their minds around how to give sacrificially. They have um, jars that they bring in each and every week that they have full of money. Their parents have told us that sometimes they are asking for odd jobs to do around the house. Sometimes they have gotten Christmas or birthday cash and immediately have gone to their jar and donated all of it for the little kids in Buffalo. And so we're just really proud of them. And today during the first service, they came forward with their offering um, of Actually, I'm going to let the kids tell you <laughs> their offering uh, that they're going to be presenting through you guys who are going to Jericho Road on Saturday. So we thank you for partnering with us in that, and we're just going to allow the kids to explain what they've been doing the last few weeks.
We have been raising money for the refugee children in Buffalo. Refugees are people who have to leave their country to go somewhere else because their country isn't safe. He is crazy. <laughs> I got one over there. I did that it is hard to be a refugee because you have to leave your home and sometimes have no money and no toys and you may be alone. We are saving money for the refugees who moved to Buffalo to make a home to buy supplies for the school and have a part have a graduation party. Some of the things we were able to buy for the children were our whiteboards, crayons, pencils, and electric pencil sharpener. We uh, was it? Was it? If you couldn't understand my brother Clayton, he said we earned $100. Good job, guys. (laughs) The children have done a super job. As Heidi was saying, they would ask for odd jobs. They would put their birthday money in. We've even had children that are still bringing us uh, money as we've come. We've had other people in the congregation come up and say, we've heard about your project. And so as a family, we just started collecting pennies and we've turned our pennies in and here's an extra, you know, a couple dollars when we turn them into the bank. So we just appreciate this. Thank you to all of you who are being a part of this missions project uh, as a whole. And we're really thankful to be able to work with the children. Right in line with the kids, I'm going to talk about money too. Faith promise. I just want to say a few things and I'm going to boil it down quickly to who, what, when, how, where. Who? Anyone, including children, teenagers, college students, families, adults. We can give extra above and beyond what we normally would give to our church's outreach. You'll see in your bulletin this faith promise card and that's what I'm explaining. What? Since 2010, our church uh, had a little bit of budget tightening, uh, tightening, and our missions giving was going to be strapped. Some of us felt on a missions committee that God would pour out his blessings if we would trust him. And so we began faith promise giving about four years ago. This is giving above and beyond our normal tithes and offerings that we commit to the Lord as he supplies it. We will share it with our missions projects. The when of this is a little different. Normally we collect these faith promises in November, but we put it off till our missions convention, which is next Sunday, February 9th. We'll be collecting these cards, the smaller part of the card. You'll put it in the offering as God directs you. And the money can be received between now and December. It's not the fiscal year of our church, but the calendar year of our church from now till December. Um, So that's what the card is all about. And uh, the where is that the monies go towards some of the projects you see on the card. This is our current year's listing, and it goes for very important things like our food pantry, 
our community emergency services that we do, uh, things in the region. Most of our short-term mission support comes for this, for both at home and abroad, as you can see on there. And in the next few months, there will also be some additional items, both locally, regionally, and around the world that we'll be adding to this faith promise. So it's very important that we prayerfully consider how God might surprise us, and he has for my family every year with something that we didn't expect to receive, and we've seen God channel us through, channel this through us to our faith promise giving. So give it prayerful thought for next week. Thank you. I do encourage you to uh, really pray about what God may uh, challenge you about faith as he has done for many of us through the years. Just a couple of things. There's an insert in your bulletin about Valentine's Banquet, uh, Friday the 14th. You see information related to that. Also, a couple of things. Um, in addition to what's in the bulletin, we're praying for people who are in need. Uh, we received word a little bit ago that uh, Bonnie Szymanski is having uh, eye surgery this morning. In fact, it started at 1030. So I don't know the length of that or any of the details about it, but I know that uh, she and her family would appreciate our prayers. Also, uh, Isabel Alexander died on Friday of this week, and uh, her arrangements will be this coming weekend. Uh, we have visitation Friday, 7 to 9, at the Copeland Williams Funeral Home in Fillmore. Uh, the service will be here at the church at 2 o'clock on Saturday, with a visitation an hour previous to that. So please uh, make, I'll make you aware of, of that um, event coming up, Friday the visitation, Saturday the service at 2 o'clock. We also want to give thanks. Uh, Gavin Riker Liddick was born to Mitch and Karen on Friday of this week, and we are praising God for a healthy little boy, and uh, we pray that uh, we give thanks uh, in addition to their family and to our family, and we celebrate this gift of new life.
Our Old Testament reading this morning is the story of Cain and Abel, found in the fourth chapter of Genesis. Please follow as I read. Adam made love to his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother, Abel. Now, Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, Let's go out to the field. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? The Lord said, What have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are under a curse and driven from the ground, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is more than I can bear. Today you are driving me from the land, and I will be hidden from your presence. I will be a restless wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. But the Lord said to him, Not so. Anyone who kills Cain will suffer vengeance seven times over. Then the Lord put a mark on Cain so that no one who found him would kill him. So Cain went out from the Lord's presence and lived in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Cain made love to his wife, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Enoch. Cain was then building a city, and he named it after his son Enoch. To Enoch was born Irad, and Irad was the father of Mahujael, and Mahujael was the father of Methushel, and Methushel was the father of Lamech. Lamech married two women, one named Ada and the other Zelah. Ada gave birth to Jabal. He was the father of those who live in tents and raise livestock. His brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of all who play stringed instruments in pipes. Zelah also had a son, Tubal-Cain, who forged all kinds of tools out of bronze and iron. Tubal-Cain's sister was Naamah. Lamech said to his wives, Ada and Zelah, Listen to me, wives of Lamech. Hear my words. I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for injuring me. If Cain is avenged seven times, then Lamech seventy-seven times. This is the word of the Lord. Please join me in the prayer of confession that is printed in your bulletin.
pray together. Merciful God, in your gracious presence, we confess our sin and the sin of this world. Although Christ is among us as our peace, we are a people divided against ourselves as we cling to the values of a broken world. The profit and pleasures we pursue lay waste the land and pollute the seas. The fears and jealousies that we harbor set neighbor against neighbor, nation against nation, even disciple against disciple. We abuse your good gifts of imagination and freedom, of intellect and reason, and have turned them into bonds of oppression. Lord, have mercy upon us. Heal and forgive us through the promise of Christ. In his name, set us free to serve you in the world as agents of your reconciling love in Jesus Christ. Amen. I invite you to stand as we sing the Gloria Patri and the ushers come to assist us in the giving of our tithes and offerings. to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost as it was in the beginning is now and ever shall be world without end Amen Amen. Father, we bring you glory today with our songs, the reading of your word, our prayers, and our offerings. We pray that they will reflect the joy in our hearts for all that you have done. And we pray this through Jesus. Amen. As we join together in corporate prayer, if you would like to use the altar rail as the place where you offer your prayers, please join me.
Heavenly Father, we thank you today for your many and plentiful gifts. You have been good to us beyond anything we could begin to deserve. It is in your grace that we come today as we hear you calling us to yourself. We pray, Father, for your work in our lives and in the lives of those who are dear to us. We pray that you will minister your grace in our homes, in the places where we interact, where there is sickness and pain, suffering and grief. We pray, Father, for your mercy upon every person who is grieving a loss today, upon every person who is struggling with pain and illness today, with all that that comes to us in the frailty of this life. We pray not only for ourselves, but we also pray for this world. We are grieved by so much of what goes on in our world, bloodshed, violence, human beings enslaving each other. Father, we ask that you would bring peace to our world. We pray that you will raise up your people to be a voice for peace and for forgiveness and mercy and truth. We pray this particularly in those places that seem to be reaching a boiling point. Father, we pray that you will help us to be salt and light in a world of great need. We pray, Father, for for your mercy to be on our brothers and sisters who live in the face of persecution. We ask that you would encourage them and that you would help them. Father, open our eyes to see as you see and our ears to hear as you hear. Open our minds to think as you think and our arms to embrace as you embrace. Open our hearts to love as you love. We pray this for the sake of your glory, for the redemption of the world through Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray, remembering the prayer that he taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever.
Testament reading for the morning is from the first epistle of Peter, chapter 5. Would you stand with me as I read? And remain standing afterwards for the hymn. First Peter, chapter 5. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings, who will also share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, because God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kinds of suffering. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you, And make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Hymn number 336.
Please be seated. In front of you in the, um, in the hymnal racks or near those, there should be um, one of these pads of paper. It says sermon notes. I'm going to ask you to tear off one of these sheets, and we'll get to it later, but I'm going to have that ready for you to use. If there's not one right around you, there should be one behind you or somewhere in the area. Everyone ought to have one of those. Just tear off a sheet, set it down beside you. We'll get to it in a minute. Unless you have specifically said something to me, I don't know when it happened or where it happened. I don't know the person or persons or circumstance or circumstances that were a part of it. I don't know if it was an individual, a group of individuals. I don't know if it's something that happened recently Or something that happened a long time ago. But I suspect, based on my own experience, talking with a lot of people, reading a lot of information, that all of us wrestle with things like jealousy, envy, anger, disappointment. We have moments where we think, uh, I deserved what they got, or they deserved what I got. We, we, we struggle because someone got a promotion that we wanted, someone got the job that we wished we could have, someone made a friend that we didn't make. We have all of these, these circumstances of life. And, and, and sometimes it's, it's about people hurting us. People saying thing to us, things to us. People doing things to us. That are unfair, unreasonable. Maybe untrue. And we wrestle with all of these negative emotions. We all face it. It's part of the human condition. And left unattended... Those emotions move from jealousy and envy, from anger and frustration and disappointment to bitterness. And bitterness is a disease that eats away at us, eats away at our relationships, eats away at our very being, which is something that's been going on, something that's been going on a long time, and I think is at the heart of this story that we've read this morning about these two famous brothers, Cain and Abel. Now, a lot of people, when they read the stories of Cain, story of Cain and Abel, the question that people are asking is, why did God accept Abel's sacrifice and reject Cain's? And I can tell you, Doing a little bit of reading, there are a zillion ideas about that, answering that question. 
probably the most, most common ideas are that, that uh, Abel presented a sacrifice of an animal. He shed blood and Cain presented something he grew from the ground. Other people will say that the difference is that Abel presented the best of his flock and Cain presented some of what he grew. But the reality is we do not know why God accepted one and rejected the other. The the writer of Genesis simply doesn't tell us and that says to me it's not important. There are other places in the scripture that talk about appropriate and inappropriate sacrifices. This is not one of those places. The writer is really silent about why this happens. What he does tell us is that when it happens, Cain reacts in a way that I don't think he would have dreamed he ever would have reacted. Cain becomes jealous and angry the writer says that God says to him, why are you angry? Why are you depressed? Why, are you, why is your face downcast? Why are you so upset? Somehow, in the mix of this, Cain knew that what he brought wasn't exactly what God wanted. And God says to him, you, you know what the right thing is to do. It's not that difficult. Just do it. But something is eating away in Cain's spirit. I used to think that, that there was a, um, that, that God has this conversation with Cain and however that takes place. And immediately, or maybe the next day, he says, hey, brother, let's go out to the field. The more I think about it, I, I, I suspect that maybe some time went by. Some time went by for Cain to process this and to ponder it. And for that, those feelings of jealousy and anger to take root and to seethe and to grow until the day comes when he commits seemingly premeditated murder. Now I suspect that very few, if any of us, are going to ever be tempted to commit murder. But maybe character assassination... Maybe we spread gossip. Maybe we share rumors. Maybe we strike out at each other with our words and our actions to get back at people who have hurt us. And what's fascinating is that if you let that bitterness go long enough, it brings you to a place you could have never dreamed possible. We have to be so careful. And so God says to Cain, and he's saying to us, be careful. And God's words to Cain are, sin is crouching, sin is lurking, sin is lying in wait at your door. It's right there. What are you going to do about it? As we hold on to bitterness, as we nurse it and feed it, And, and cuddle it and grasp it and, and cling to it, we keep opening the door. At first, it's just a little bit. doesn't seem like a big deal. But the more we hang on to it, the more we open the door. 
And we keep opening the door more and more and more until it's wide open. And the bitterness is controlling us. All of our life comes, becomes about, about bitterness, about getting back at people, about holding on to what people have done to us. And we don't realize that it's destroying us. You look at what it does to Cain. I mean, talk about hardened heart. This is why I think maybe some time goes by as well. God comes to him and says, where's your brother? And his response is just pure callous. I don't know, my keeper? What do I have to do with him? This stone hard heart. He's just committed murder. And he seems to feel nothing. Because the bitterness has taken over hit the essence of his being. And it isn't just about Cain. It's about all the other people who are injured by what he does. He leaves his family. And now his parents are left to grieve not only a son that's died, but a son that's gone. And his own family, you see as the story goes along, you see generations later, the whole thing perpetuated again. And our bitterness is never just about us. If it were just about destroying us, well, it would be unhealthy and it would be a tragedy. But it's never just about us. It always hurts the people who are closest to us too. You can't help it. Because it erodes our relationships. It erodes our ability to trust. We, we start living in the spirit of paranoia. And fear and anxiety. And all we're thinking about is, who's the next person to get me? And we start lashing out at people. And that bitterness just seeps out of us. And we hurt the people who are closest to us. You can't help it. A couple of years ago, uh, we were... We got intrigued by an advertisement, a series of advertisements that we saw about a new television show. It was, it was so intriguing that we decided we need to watch this and see what this is about. Some of you may have seen it. The title of the show is simply called Revenge. And I, we thought, Revenge? What, what in the world is that going to be about? What are you going to do with that? What a, you know, it's one of those titles you think, wow, that's really weird. So we started watching the show. And it's really a storyline is there's a woman who has moved back to the neighborhood where she was raised, very high class part of Long Island, and uh, comes back. No one knows who she is. And the sole purpose for her returning is to avenge her father's death. And she has a list of all the people, the rich and powerful people who had anything to do with his death years and years ago. And one by one, she is systematically eliminating them. And it is amazing the things that she is willing to do to herself and to other people to accomplish her goal. And what has ended up happening as the story evolves and the plot line is getting really, really thin. And uh, it's, they need to stop it. But, uh, but as it gets down to this point... What's happening is the few people who know who she really is and have been behind the scenes helping her, she has now turned them against her. 
Because they can see how it is destroying her and how it is moving her away from what initially might have, you might have thought was just justice and now it's just vengeance. And innocent people are being caught and destroyed. And these people who are on her side, she is now destroying too. And she's using them. That's all she can, she can just, only way she views them as people she can use to get to the end that she wants. Because she doesn't care for them. She just cares about vengeance. And ultimately, maybe in other ways, but ultimately, that's what bitterness does to us. I think one of the most intriguing things about this story is that despite everything that happens and despite what Cain chooses to do, God is still merciful to him. As we're in the season of Epiphany where, where we find, where we are re- getting a glimpse and God is revealing himself to us. And in this story, we get a revelation about who God is that sometimes people miss in the Old Testament. I mean, yes, God exacts punishment upon Cain for what he's done. But when Cain cries out to God for mercy, God gives it. He is merciful to Cain. But he doesn't eliminate the earthly consequences. I can never read this story without thinking of July 4th, 1969. I was almost 10 years old. We lived in the Cincinnati area. My dad was a pastor of the local church there. And we got a call that morning. It was a big big church picnic that day. And we were getting things ready to go. My dad got a call from one of the leading laymen in the church who said, can you come down to the jail? Our son Vic has been arrested for murder. My dad went down there and met with Vic. He'd grown up in the church. Knew everything about God. He'd gone to Sunday school, been a part of the church all of his life, gone to Christian college, but had at some point in his life allowed rebellion and bitterness and anger to to get a, a hold of him. And it caused him to make decisions that he would never have dreamed of making. And as he, the story poured out of him to my dad, and he had already admitted everything, it was true. He and some friends had been out drinking. They went to rob a gas station. And he ended up killing the attendant of the gas station in the middle of that. And one thing he said was, I'm I'm glad it's over. I'm glad it's out because the guilt was just killing me. I couldn't do it anymore. And over the course of the next few months and into the next few years, he turned his life around. He became a great disciple of Jesus. and, and And you could see Jesus in his life. And it was awesome what God did in him. But he still spent 25 or 30 years in prison. And God's warning to Cain, to us, is not to make life less enjoyable. It's it's not to deprive us of, of something that we want. It's to rescue us from pain and heartache that's difficult for us to see when we're in the middle of these negative, bitter emotions. God is saying to Cain, he's saying, look, it's right behind the door, 
be careful. I don't want you to have to experience all of that. You know the right thing to do right now. Let's just do it and take and be done with it. I don't want you to have to face all of that heartache and pain for you and for your family and for for other people. I don't want you to have to go through that. And God is saying that to us as well. He doesn't want bitterness to eat us alive. He doesn't want us to to be bound by that. Because we will be. If you let bitterness into your heart, if you let it get a a toehold in your heart, it isn't freedom, it's bondage. We think it feels good, you know, in the moment. Getting back at people has that, just that fleeting moment of satisfaction. We tell them off or, or, you know, we do something to get back at them. And for that, just that brief moment, it feels good. And then it doesn't feel good anymore. Something about hanging on to our bitterness, hanging on to, to what people have done to us, there is some, I don't know, it's a sense of security that we feel. And we don't want to let go of it. If we let go, people might not know the truth. If we let go, people, people might think that we've done what they've said. If we, if we let go, we might not, we might not be able to, to see justice done, and, and maybe it won't be done. Maybe it'll never be what we want it to be. But hanging on to it isn't going to change that. It's just going to cause more heartache, more pain, more agony. And so God says to Cain, sin is crouching, lurking at your door, and the way around it is to master it. To subdue it. The question going through my mind is, how do you do that? What does it mean to master it? I mean, we all know in our humanness, we can't, we can't overcome sin by ourselves. That's the work that God has to do. I'm convinced the work for us, the mastering part of this that is our role, is our want to. It's our attitude. Do we want God to take this away from us? Do we want to let go of it? Do we want God to change our hearts, even when it means the end result of it might not be what we want in our desire to see people get what they deserve? It's really the want to. And if we're going to cling to it, if we're going to hang on to it, if we're going to nurture that bitterness, then the door will be wide open and it will take us places we could have never dreamed. But if we're willing to let go of it, to surrender, as Peter says, and this roaring lion is waiting to devour us. What's the solution? To be alert, to surrender, to give it to God. That want to makes all the difference. I want you to take that piece of paper. 
that you tore off of the sheet. I'm convinced that what we want to have happen always should be connected to action. Something we do. And I, I have no idea where you are. For some of you, this may not be an issue. You may, you may be thinking, I, I, have no, I, I have no sense of that in my heart today. Praise the Lord. That's awesome. But for those of us who do, maybe it's going to someone and asking their forgiveness. Maybe it's forgiving someone whether they come to us or not. And that's part of letting go. Sometimes we say, well, I'll forgive if they ask me to. And God is saying, I want you to want to forgive them whether they ask you or not. We can't control that. We can't control other people. Maybe, maybe the place you are right now is, is not saying, I'm going to go ask this, ask, I'm going to forgive this person. Maybe it's, Lord, help me to want to forgive this person. Maybe it's, Lord, help me to want to want to forgive this person. Wherever we are, that's where God meets us. He doesn't expect us to come to a certain place and then he'll help us. Wherever we are, whatever place we need to be, it's just simply saying, this is what I want. And it will be a journey. It will be a process. It will take time. But we have started it. And that's all he's asking. That's all we can do. So in the next few moments of silence, as you open your mind to God, as you speak to God, God speaks to you. I want to encourage you, if, if he's asking you about something, if you know, you can tell, there's something I need to do to let go, I want you to write it down in that piece of paper. I'm not going to show it to anybody, anyone else. Write it on that piece of paper, and this week, act on it, whatever that may be. Gracious Father, we want to thank you for your mercy to us. For your love that reaches to us and warns us and helps us. Help us to see that your desires for us are life and freedom, joy, peace. Meet us where we are. Give us the want to 
desire to surrender to you and to your spirit at work in us. We pray this through Christ. Amen. Please stand for the closing hymn. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. Amen.